The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the 2018 Established Summer Training Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. We were LARPing social, and there were two projects. There was the U of M in Michigan State, and then there was Zach Simmons. He was at the other project, which was Bethel Northwestern, and we had a LARPing battle, and they had like 90 students, we had 90 students, and so there was like 180 students battling on the beach. And the weird thing was is that our project put like weeks of preparation. Like we had a blacksmith creating weapons shields. Like I was one of the, the generals and I was leading the charge. And we were all decked out. And then their project came with just regular clothes and nothing. And like water balloons. And we fed pool noodles and we just demolished them. It wasn't even close. But um that just shows you a little bit about my nerdy side. I, I like kind of do that stuff. Even though LARPing is maybe a little, I don't know if I'd do it again, but I do it here. It's, it's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's who I am. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about establisher, um, who the establisher is. And if you guys didn't know, if you, it looks like a lot of you guys have your notebooks open, but if you look at your notebook, each talk will be in there. There'll be every training, and then every training will have each talk that we're giving. And so there should be a page titled Establisher. If you guys want to take notes, you can do that. If you just want to follow along, you can do that. Whatever helps serve you best. Um, but that, that notebook has a lot of resources for you guys, and this is just one. And so, um, so tonight's talk is Establisher. And really, I want to talk about who God is. So who is God? And it's for us to think about who he is. Um, and I think that the way we view God is impacted by so many things. Um, especially just as we grow up um, as, as a child. And there's so many things in our past that influence, that impact the way we view God. Um, and that might be your parents. Um, it might be a teacher, it might be a professor, it might be an uncle, aunt, friend, friends at school. Um, but there's so many different things that are impacting us that have to do with how we view God. And for me, um, my dad, my relationship with my dad has impacted the way I view God a lot. And so when I think about um, like just my relationship with my dad, he was worked nights, didn't really see him much. And then when I was eight, he had, he had left us. He had left our home. And so... And then when he came back after a while, I didn't, he had depression. I didn't really see him that much. And so to me, my dad was really distant, and it didn't seem like he cared. Um, and so I, want, I have an exercise, another exercise for you guys at the beginning of this, this talk again. Um, you can go to the beginning. Next slide. So when you think about who God is, how do you feel about him? And so for me, and this could be, like, I don't want the right theological answer, like, I know who God is, but like, how do you feel when you think about God? And for me, like, especially growing up and even today, I can feel like God is distant and uncaring. So kind of feel cold. So I want you guys to personalize that for yourself. Just take a, like, a 30 seconds to think about how do you feel, like, how, when you think about God, how do you feel about Him? So that could be disappointed. Is he dis disappointed in you? Um, is he upset? Is he like? Is he distant for like for me? Is he uncaring? Um, is he not good? Is he is he weak? Um, 
Do you feel scared? Do you feel mad at him? Yeah, just write down two words. And then we're going to come back to that a little bit later. And so um, hopefully that was enough time. And if not, you guys can jot it down as, we're, as I'm talking. But I want to look at one passage, passage back in Exodus. Um, just There's so many passages in the Old Testament that declare who God is. He talks about the I Am statement, the different Yahwehs. And I just, I'm just going to look at one, and it's in Exodus 34. So I'm going to read it, and then I have a few points I want to make. So Exodus 34, 5 through 7. If you can't see this, it's kind of small. Just follow along. Um, he says this. This is the Lord speaking to Moses. Um, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and pro- proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, for forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So the reason why I wanted to come to this passage because I think there's two, thi- there's two things I want to point out. The first is that he's um, gracious. So he's gracious. He's, he's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. Which is great. I think we would all say, yes, look, we understand that. He is gracious and good. But the second thing that it says in that passage is this. He will by no means clear the guilty. And so at some level, like, he is to be feared. Like, he is to be feared. Like, if, if we're all honest with ourselves, we, we know what we've done. We've, we've failed. We've sinned. And, and there's other passages that talk about he knows us. He knows every footstep that we're going to take. And so he says he will by no means clear the guilty. Um, and so that makes me think, if you want to put up the next point, he's kind of mysterious. So um, he's gracious, and at the same time, he will by no means clear the guilty. Um, has anyone read um, C.S. Lewis, The Line, The Wish in the Wardrobe? Raise your hand. A lot of people. Sweet. So I'm sure you might have you probably read this quote then. I have a quote for us. I feel like this quote does a good job of explaining this, and so I'll read it and talk about it. So Aslan is, is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel, shall, shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And so, when you think about a lion, a lion is scary. It's, it's powerful. It's courageous. It could, I mean, it's strong. Um, there's might there. And there's this idea of, of course, a lion isn't safe. Um, like, who said anything about safe? And so, think of Aslan as, as God here. Um, and he will by no means clear the guilty. But at the same time, he says, but he's good. Like, he's not safe, but he's good. And so, the same way God will by no means clear the guilty, but he's also gracious. It's kind of a mystery. Like, what, how does this work? How can he be both? Um, and so, that's, that's um, kind of how we're seeing God here in Exodus. And, now, and then, we, then this guy named Jesus shows up. Um, many uh, chapters later, um, and he doesn't come as a superstar. He doesn't. He just comes as a carpenter. 
Um, and so if you have, if you go to the next passage, John 1.18, I really like this, this verse, and it reads like this. Um, no one has ever seen God, so the God we were just talking about, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And so, um, no one has ever seen God, that's the Father, and then the only God who is at the Father's side, which is Jesus, he has made him known. So this verse is saying Jesus is making God the Father known. He's making God known. So we get to know who God is more because we have Jesus. Like, that is really sweet. There's at some level where we get to know more about who God than Moses did because we have Jesus. We can look at Jesus and see who God is. And so this mystery is made more known because of Jesus. And so I want to talk about Jesus tonight. Um, but before we do that, I want to talk about who Jesus isn't. Um, so the first thing I have is this is, these are things that we can't just say about Jesus. So the first one is, Jesus is like God. Um, so I don't think it's sufficient for us to say Jesus is like God, or that he is a, just a representation of God. We can't, we can't just say that. Um, the next thing we can't just say is, Jesus is a way to God. Um, that there's many ways to God, and Jesus is an option. I remember um, just this last Christmas, um, I was having a conversation with Ariana's brother, um, which her, her family is a lot different than mine. I love, I love that we can have a lot of spiritual conversations with her family. My family doesn't really like to talk about itself, so it's, it's nice when we, when we get, uh, get into those conversations. But um, I remember talking to him, and he, he would say that he's a Christian, but when we talked about Jesus, he, um, and when I was saying that Jesus is the only way that we can get to God, or is the means to God, he, he got really upset. Um, he got really upset that, how could you say that? Like, what? why can't there be another person that was born somewhere else that paid your debt or died for sins and, and get, you, get you to heaven? Um, and we're going to talk about why there can't be anyone else, because there's no one like Jesus. No one ever, and we're going to get to that, but, but in some way, like, we can't just say that he is a way. Um, the third point I wanted to say is that um, Jesus is the means to God. So some of you are like, what? Jesus is the means to God? Um, like, yes, that's true, but, it, but it's insufficient. Yes, he is the means to God. Um, and we're going to talk why it's not quite sufficient. Um, and so that's who he's not. And so now I want to talk about who he is. But before we do that, I want to show you a clip because um, it's we were, I was watching Incredibles the other night, and I, and I think a lot of you guys were there, and I saw this part in the movie, and I'm like, wow, that, that shows a lot about our heart. And so, um, you, before you play it, um, just watch the little boy, the little boy, the tricycle, and watch what he does.
are you waiting for? I don't know. Something amazing, I guess. <laughs> Me too, kid. like my favorite part of the movie and all the responses like I don't know something amazing I guess and so like he's just sitting there waiting to see something incredible um, and uh, yes there you go I'm like did I, did I yeah that's the point of the movie right incredible they do something incredible and so I'm gonna actually use that as a theme a little bit going on um, but we, we do this like we look for things that are incredible uh, we like to see things that are amazing. We're just like we're, the, we're little kids with our tricycle pulling up to something. Like that's why I like basketball. I like watching the finals. I want to see LeBron do something amazing. Um, didn't happen last night, but I'm still waiting for it. Uh, what, what, fill in the blank. Um, maybe it's going to it's traveling, seeing a different city. We want to see something amazing. We want to see something incredible, something bigger than us. Like we're made for that. I remember the first time when I saw the ocean, or when I thought I saw the ocean. It was just. Malax Lake. <laughs> it wasn't the ocean, which is, if you've been to Malax Lake, it's really big. So I was like, hey, we're driving up north, and I looked over to the left, and I'm like, wow, is that the ocean? It is so big, but I could feel in my heart, it was like, I was in awe. I thought it was very incredible. Um, it was like, just this massive thing. Um, and so this is why, like, I want us to feel the same, that same sense when we think of God, when we, when we think of who is God. Like, I want us to think, wow, he's incredible. Like, where our hearts jump out, where we want to see more of his awesomeness, his incredibleness. And so, now I want to talk about who Jesus is. So, who he just isn't, but who he is. Um, and how he's the most incredible person ever. Most incredible thing ever. More incredible than anything that you are, like, just looking for, like that little kid on the tricycle, just waiting for something like that to happen. And so um, we're going to mainly look in um, Colossians. Of all places, Colossians has one of the sweetest places in the Bible that talks about who Jesus is. And you guys are going to get there soon. Um, in a week, probably a couple weeks, we'll be reading through it. Um, and so Colossians 1, 15 through 20. And if you guys, you guys can look up here. If you want to follow along with your Bible, you can do that too. We're going to camp out here for a little bit. So Colossians 1, 15 through 20. So I'll read it. You guys want to follow along. So this is Jesus, by the way. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, 
making peace by the blood of his cross. So we could camp out here for hours. Um, there's so much um, sweet stuff here. And so I'm just going to point out five. Just five things I wanted to double click on. Um, the first one is perhaps the most important. Um, and it comes from verse 15. It is Jesus is God. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. Um, so that's why we can't just say he's just like God. He's not just a picture of God. He is God. He's not just a means to God. Even though that's true, he is a means to God, but he is God. Like, we get God. Um, and he's not just a way, because he is God. The only one that could get us to God isn't because he was just a good teacher or one of the ways of people that was leading us to, to him, but he is God. And I think like this, this is coming from verse 15 where he says, I, um, so, oh, I'm in Philippians. That might be why. Um, he is the image of the invisible God. And then in verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And so all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. Dwell, dwell in him. He's the image of the invisible God. So that's the first thing. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. Um, the second one is he is first. So this comes from verses 15 and 16, where he says, The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And so this isn't necessarily in the sense that he was a part of creation, but the sense that he is over all things. He is over all things. He is first. He is most important. Um, and I don't know about you guys, I love to rank things. Um, Ari's probably annoyed with me a lot because I always ask her, what's your favorite? What's your favorite? Like, whatever it is, I love favorites. I love ranking things, whether it's, whether it's a movie or a book or basketball players. Um, I like to rank things, and part of it is because we like to see which one's greatest. Who's the greatest basketball player? Who's the greatest author? Maybe you're not, I don't know if many people are rank, ranking that, but whatever the list is. Um, but when it comes to, to Jesus, he's first and it's not even close. Um, he's over all, all things, above all things, over any government regulation, anything that was created, he's over all things. So that's the second, he is first. The third one is, um, by him all things were created. If you look at um, verses 16 and 17, all things is repeated a lot. Um, by him all things were created, they were through him, they were before him, um, he is before all things, and then in him all things hold together. Like, this is amazing. Like, everything, everything you can imagine, um, every good thing you've enjoyed, tasted, it's saying something about who he is. Um, it's, it's, a, it's the substance of some, it's the shadow of something greater, um, and that's Christ. And even with the idea of that, he, he holds all things together. Like, the reason why you're breathing right now is because he says so. Like, that is amazing. Like, he's powerful. If you think of, like, Ari's talk yesterday when she talked about this magical world, like, this is, a, like, he's holding all things together right now. Like, I'm just thinking about, the, I'm reading this series called Fantasy, uh, Wheel of Time, and there's, like, different magic and everything, and, like, you see their different powers, and um, anytime someone does something magnificent, like, there's, like, this magical system to it, and, 
And yet, we want to know who's the strong. So the idea that Jesus is holding all things together is, is magnificent. That it's incredible. It's something we should be in awe of. Um, so that's the third. The fourth is he is full. This comes from verse 19. Um, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Um, so the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus, the God-man. Um, and so he's not lacking anything. He doesn't need anything. He is full. Like, it was the fullness of God is in him. And then the fifth one is, he is our reconciler. And this comes from verse 20, where it says, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so, God has reconciled all things to himself through Jesus. Like, he's the reconciler. Like, we were dead. We were dead in our trespasses, in our, our, in our iniquities, and he reconciled us. And so, my hopes is that like, this is increasing your oddness, your, the way that you look at God and see how incredible he is. Um, and as you, especially as you read through these verses in the coming week, in the coming months, that it continue to do that. So now I want to talk about what Jesus shows us about who the Father is, about who God is. And so the first one is he is gracious and merciful. So Jesus shows us, because when we, we, we read John 1.18 and we talked about Jesus makes God known. We can know more about God because we have Jesus and we can get to see Jesus. And so he is gracious and merciful. And we're going to go back to Colossians 2.13 and 14, what I talked about Friday night. I'll read it. And we'll talk about it. Um, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all, us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So if we, if we think back to that verse that we read in Exodus at the beginning, you guys remember the two things that we talked about? One is that he was gracious, which we see, this is the point. And second was that he will by no means clear the guilty. So this is, this is the amazing news. In Christ, that, that mystery, we, we see it come together. We see it come together because he will by no means clear the guilty is because he punished his son. His son took the guilt for you. He canceled the record of debt that stood against us. Like Jesus was hung to a cross and, and he was put to death for our sin. And so we see that the, his graciousness and his, the, the part of the Aslan and the lion that we see that would be afraid of that he will by no means clear the guilty was met at the cross at, with Jesus dying on the cross for us. And so that our trespasses are forgiven. Um, like this is the best news in the world, that he is gracious, he is good. And, and so this, this scary line that, that is to be feared um, is, is our sin was punished through, through Christ. Um, and so that's the first thing, is that he um, is merciful and gracious. He shows mercy to sinners. The second one is that he is joyful. John 15, 11. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. 
So um, even going back to the beginning, when I asked you guys to write down those two words of when you think about God, how do you view him? Um, some of you might not have put joyful at all. You might have put he's upset, he's disappointed. Um, but this verse is saying that he has joy and that he wants his joy in you. Like God, Jesus is joyful and that he, he wants your joy to be full, to be maxed out. We love joy. I love joy. I love to be happy. I, you guys do this. You guys figure out how to maximize your joy. And, and this verse is saying that God is joyful and he wants your joy to be full to the max, um, which is good. Like he's, he's not this upset God. He's not, dis- he's not looking at you with disappointment. Like especially, especially after you feel shameful or there's something that you did and you feel so low. Like how could God love me? Like, I can't believe I did this. I'm disgusted with myself. Like, we're going to get more into that. But God is joyful, and he wants you to be joyful. Um, so that's the second one. The third one is he is humble. Um, and, and we're going to go to Philippians. This is perhaps my favorite passage in the Bible. It was our wedding verse. Um, if you go to Bethel, you're probably sick of this verse because I talk about it a lot. So let me read it. Um, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." So he is full of humility. He had equality with God. Like he was equal with God, but he counted himself as nothing. Like this isn't like me and you. Like we are not like this. I don't do this. If you've ever played a board game with me, you'll quickly know that Lucas is not like this because if I'm losing, like I'll let you know why I'm losing. Like if I'm playing Settlers and my number's not rolled, I'm like, I can't believe a three hasn't been rolled and I'll tell you 20 more times. Because what I'm doing, like God, what God's doing here, he has this, he has equality with God, but he's making himself nothing. What I do is that I'm really nothing, and I'm trying to make myself great. Like, that's not humility. But, but God is humble. He had equality with God, and he counted himself as nothing, becoming a servant. Like, our God is humble. This is sweet. Like, he is amazing. This is incredible. So that's the third one. The fourth one is piggybacking off that, but he is a servant. So God, Jesus is a servant. God is a servant. And so um, the Philippians 2 verse that we just read, it talked about him being a servant um, by taking the form of a servant. But then this verse too, we're going to go back to this verse later, but Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. Like, Jesus didn't come to be served. Like, he came to serve. He wanted to serve us. Like, that's God's heart. Like, that's, that's incredible. He wanted to serve us. Um, and so, as we look at Jesus, we can know a lot more about who God is. Because he is God. And we see that he's gracious and merciful. We see that he's joyful, he's humble, and he's a servant. And so, um, this leads me to 
my main point that I want, if you guys get anything out of tonight, this is what I want you guys to get. Um, you can put it up. God came to give, not to take. He came, he came to give, not to take. So I have, a, I have another clip for us. Um, so if Ollie wants to get that ready. Raise your hand if you've seen Lord of the Rings. Maybe I should... Sorry, hold on a second. Maybe I should say, raise your hand if you haven't seen Lord of the Rings. A few of you. So this doesn't spoil much, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I think I gave it a 10 out of 10. I like the rank things. Um, and this is a clip um, where Gandalf is encountering, whoop, I think I just forgot. There we go. Encountering Bilbo. So I'll play it, and then we'll talk about it. Do you want all of it? Up to, go up to like, I'll tell you when to stop. trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. Like, do you view God like that? He, he wants to give to you. He's a giver. Like, he's good. And you see Bilbo. He's fearful. He sees the lion. He sees the might. 
But then he sees the tender heart, the mercy, the grace, and then he goes into his arms and gives him a hug. Like, that's how I want you guys to view God. I want you guys to view God that he's, he's mighty, but yet he's merciful and gracious and he loves you. Um, he wants to give to you, not to take. And so um, that brings me to my next, the next verse I wanted to go to, and it's Mark um, 10.45, which I just read. I'm going to read it again. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for, for many. See that word give? He wants to give his life as a ransom for many. And so the next point, if you want to put it up, um, God is a giver and the gift. He is giving to you, but he's giving himself to you. Like that is incredible. Everything that we just talked about, the, the mightiness of him, the incredibleness of who God is, he's giving you himself. All, like he is all things, and he's ruling over all things, and he wants to give you himself. That's such good news. Um, and especially as sinners, in, in front of a mighty God who will by no means clear the guilty, it, like, it just warms my heart when I, when I think of God like that. Um, and so, I have another point if you want to go to that. Oh yeah, also he's our greatest treasure. Like, he is our treasure, so he's the gift. He's the point, and it's, it's not just, the gospel isn't just that he's forgiving our sins, um, and so that we can get by, but he's forgiving us our sins, and he's giving us himself, and he's our greatest treasure. He's the point. He's the joy. He's filling us with joy. So, next verse um, is Acts 17, 25 which says, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So God isn't served by human hands. He doesn't need anything. We talked about this, but he doesn't need anything. Um, he gives life. He's a giver of life. Like he's not here as a, as a burden. Um, and I have a, a short story um, to go at this point. So Ari and I recently um, have started the process of adoption, which is really exciting and really scary, but we're, we're super excited about it. We just started like two months ago, um, but we've been reading a lot of books and, and prepping for it. But one thing that we've learned about adoption is um, if a couple goes into adoption looking to have a need met by that child, like it's going to cause a lot of problems. Um, and it's going to cause maybe attachment disorders that, that's going to put burdens on that child that that, that child's not going to be able to carry. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be mainly perhaps for them and not the child. But God's not like that. He, he, he's not served by human hands. If you want to put the next point up, he doesn't need you. He just loves you. Um, he, he, you're, he's not served by human hands. He, he's a giver. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you joy. And so, um, and when we when we go back to those two words that we put down at the beginning, I think, um, again, I'm curious, what did you put down? Maybe look at them right now. Um, for me, like I said, God was distant and uncaring. Maybe for you, he was upset, angry, disappointed, um, 
But when we look at, the, at God in the Bible, God isn't like that. Um, he's loving. He wants to give to you. He doesn't need you, but he, he just loves you. You can, you can run into his arms um, in the midst of sin and, and falling and shame, and he smiles upon you. Like, do you view God smiling on you, or do you view him frowning at you? And, and when, when we look at God, it's not, he's not like that. Um, he's glad. He rejoices. Like the story of the prodigal son, when, when the, the younger son comes back and wasted everything and is in shame, the father runs out to him and puts his arms around him and greets him with a kiss and, and throws him a party. Like that's who God is. So my, my hopes tonight is that your view of God is beginning to shift. Um, you're, you're really seeing who God is in the Bible, that he is a giver. He wants to give you life. And so um, that's, that's what I want you to get out of the summer. Like he is the establisher. This is who establishes us. As we're being established, this is the establisher. And so I have a few um, questions for us. But before I do that, I'm going to pray for us. And then, then we're going to go into some reflection questions. So. Father, um, you are so good to us in the midst um, of our rebellion, of my rebellion, and how I want to make myself great. Or after, after I run after things of this world to find joy here, going after mud pies, um, instead of looking to you, that you are a giver. When I think of you, like just the way that my, my father, was, my relationship with him and how it was impacted, um, and how I view you as distant, un- distant and uncaring. Like, you don't care. That's not you. You care. You know me very well. And, and, and the people in this room, everyone in this room, you know them. And you're a giver. You love them. You don't need them, but you love them. You, you gave up your son for us. We thank you so much for that. Father, oh, I pray. I pray that you would do a work in our hearts tonight. Um, that you continue to work in my heart, the staff's heart, all the students here that we would see you as incredible. And so, um, Father, you are so good. So we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I just have three questions for you. Um, and during this time, these questions, um, you can work on them yourself. Um, but also, some of the staff are going to be in the sides here, on these side sections. And if you want to talk to someone about these questions, feel free to go to staff. They'll be over there. But if you just want to work through through them yourself, you can do that too. So I'm going to read them, and then we'll take like five, ten-ish minutes. So first one is, when you're honest with yourself, how do you view God? Is he your greatest treasure? The second one is, how do you imagine God views you? The third one is, when you think of God as a giver, how does that make you feel? So, um, take maybe five minutes. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, and then we'll, we'll, the College we'll Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, you guys Minneapolis, feel like you're not Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter so the content in any way without written permission. From Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at clminneapolis.org.